Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of The Howl. I just need to do a short reminder that this episode is going to be a little bit heavier than what we're used to. But uh, I want to thank my very special guest, Karin, great friend of mine, Karin Leonardo. Welcome to the show. Hi. <laughs> and uh, so, Karin, we knew each other since college, and you just came here from the Philippines, right? A few months ago? Right. Um, I moved here December of 2018, so I guess I've been here for almost a year. Well, I'm back here for almost a year. And it's weird, because you were born here in... or did you grow up here? Um, well, I was born here, and um, I think in maybe 06, so I think I was maybe 12 at that time. Or maybe 11, I'm not doing the math right now. <laughs> but I moved to the Philippines. Um, we stayed there for quite a bit, I think maybe 11 years or 12 years. I studied high school there and college and then um, moved back here when I was freelancing over there and I wanted to look for something mm. more. So you, you got there at high school? Were you um, what happened was I was in fifth grade. Um, I took like this placement test. The middle school that I was going to only had sixth grade. So after I got there, um. after fifth grade, it was maybe like the fourth quarter of sixth grade there, because I think the school schedules are a little different yeah, in these two different back then, Right. Yeah. So I did like a quarter of sixth grade, then I graduated, went straight to high school at 13. And then now you told me about the company you work for, and it's really inspirational to see companies like that, like mm -hmm. what you do. So explain to people what you do here. Okay, yeah, um, I'm a project manager. Which is really cool. I work for this company. We um, specialize in real estate, flipping real estate and assisted livings, which I think is really good. Um, our target demographic is low income individuals, specifically in the LA area. And I feel like this is something that really hits close to home. We talk about mental illness, just like raising awareness, trying to find homes for these people. Cause it's a little difficult to find someone or somewhere that I guess cares. Yeah. So definitely something important, something that matters to me. Especially when people are like, because a lot of people, like, they're dealing with a lot of anxiety, a lot of stress, and a lot of things like they're not really addressing. Right. And there are a lot of people who don't even know one thing about mental illness in India. And you see that. You see that around LA. You see that everywhere here. Right. So tell me about living two lives. Like, you and me both know. Mm -hmm. about kind of living two lives. Right. So tell me about how it was transitioning to the Philippines for the first time. Okay, um, living two lives. I think it's a little different. Um, I moved here maybe when I was 12. I mean, I moved out of moved out of the US and moved back to the Philippines or moved to the Philippines for the first time when I was 12. So I feel like it was a big adjustment. I wasn't a teenager yet. I think I was a little angsty already at that time. <laughs> so it was definitely me struggling with not having like a sense of identity. I didn't really grow up Filipino. We didn't really speak it at home. I understood it, but I definitely didn't know enough to sustain a conversation. Um, moving there was a little different because I got picked on a lot, or I guess my accent, but then I really wanted to assimilate. So then I think I really took on that accent eventually, but I guess my Filipino was never the best. So I feel like I was always an outcast, but I couldn't really identify with either being American or being Filipino, being Asian American or anything. So I feel like it's always a struggle between like, who are you? Because I couldn't really like, like you said earlier, it's difficult to place or like pinpoint what you are or pinpoint 
something if you don't really know much about it. Do you feel more American now? Like, <laughs> oh, like definitely not. And now that I'm in like the workspace, I feel like, or in the workforce, I feel like I feel extra un-American now. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, the same way with me. Like, I was born, my father was American. Uh-huh. And I was born in the Philippines with the name of Nicholas James Barber. <laughs> So going into school and not knowing the language, right. and people say like, oh, Nicholas James Barber. And people look back there, they see this like dark, curly-haired boy. <laughs> and they're like, this guy ain't Filipino. So I, growing right. up, there was a lot of bullying. Mm-hmm. And then I dealt with the bullying, like kind of, it was more, I became funny. Right, like so some sort the, of coping mechanism. Yeah, so it's kind of like they're not laughing at me, they're laughing with me. Right, So. Right. The past few years, I've been doing like this whole soul searching thing, like trying to know like why I'm anxious and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And so I think about my past life a lot. And it goes back to the fact that something like that, like I didn't really cope with my problems before. I always like kind of brushed it away like, oh, right. I'm the funny one. I don't have, I don't have feelings. Like I'm not sad. Like what? Right. And then you break down like... <laughs> Right. The, the, the comforts back. of your home, right? Exactly. Or even in school, like there are times like you just break down in school, you, like, like you'd hide it. Right. Like you'd right. go behind a curtain or something and just like spend 20 minutes and just like, oh shit, I, like my eyes are puffy and stuff like that. It's like Hannah Montana of mental illness. <laughs> <laughs> so there, uh, with, with that being said, do you think that people with problems with anxiety and stuff like that, like, like not clinically diagnosed mm-hmm. with depression or anything, should seek help. Do you think that that's something people should do, like actively seek out? I think this is definitely personal, and I think I'm speaking from experience too, but I'm definitely a firm believer of just seeking help, whether it's a school guidance counselor going to the doctors and actually seeing a psychiatrist, seeing a psychologist, even if they don't prescribe you medication. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's definitely good to have some sort of outlet. And I feel like what I struggled with most was not being able to pinpoint like these emotions or like this range of emotions or being able to understand it. And I think having someone to be able to process that with you is really good. And I feel like it allows you to know more about yourself so you're able to, I guess, kind of cope with it better yeah and that's one of the things i wanted to talk to about now like everything's like personal opinion Mm -hmm. you know some people have like professional opinion stuff like that but with when it comes to dealing with your own issues i feel like you you basically have the ball in your court how you deal with it is something very important like either you seek professional help you seek help with your friends or if your friends don't want to listen you find someone like just that someone important in your life can like have a huge difference in the outcome of your life and for me personally how mm-hmm. i thought of it was like i didn't want to do professional help because they didn't know me like they don't know my history right. like they ask you very general questions i'm like is mm-hmm. this astrology or something right. like, so for me that was wrong like for me that was all sorts of wrongs because i had no outlet nobody mm-hmm. to talk to so it just kept snowballing snowballing and then you crash Right. And then you kind of man up and then you snowball, you snowball, snowball and you crash. So for people who think like that, like, oh, I don't want to have professional help or something like that. Just seek help, like someone to talk to, someone to vent out. Like if your day shit, like just go near someone and vent it out. And it helps so much. It really does. It really does. 
When um, when you were gr- when you were growing up, when in high school in the Philippines, how was it? Like, where did you go to high school? Because we have very different high schools. Did you go to a more traditional school? Right. Um, school is definitely different in the Philippines. I went to an all-girls school. I think it's a little different there because I was a little young for high school. Um, like I said earlier, I was 13, so or maybe even 12. It was just a little difficult to process. Going through puberty, but also being in high school with girls a lot older than you. They like different things. I think in high school, I was still really into Neopets. But a lot of my classmates were into boys and going to these things <laughs> called soirees where you meet like another all-boy school yeah. class and interact with them. So I feel like it was good to be around girls because I feel like it allowed me to try new things. I got, I got into football or soccer. <laughs> and um, I thought, I think because it's like a, I was surrounded with women, it was easy to, I guess, go outside of the box and not just do conventional girl things, conventionally female things. So I think it was interesting to go to an old girls school, but it's definitely something I think about like retrospectively. Like I think it was cool to go and it was like a good learning experience, but at that time I hated it. And I feel like being so different didn't add to the cause. Yeah, let's talk about that. Because some people, like even if you're Filipino there, Mm-hmm. Like you get put in a box. Right, right. Like even if you look like everyone, even if you sound like everyone, you still get put in a box. And some people, like, well, they have the opportunity or miss opportunity to not look Filipino. Right. And then that puts you in a smaller box. Right. So tell me about that. How was high school adjusting as an American Filipino that mm-hmm. had no idea how to be Filipino? Like, were the teachers helping you a lot? Were your classmates nice to you? I think it was good because in Miriam we did have like this international student kind of like program. So I took Filipino, basic Filipino, and I think it was really good because I learned like the fundamental, just building blocks of Filipino and like the language itself, Tagalog, just writing in general. I think that was really good. It was really good that they had this program, but I know that they also got rid of it later on. Mm. So at the same time, like with my brother though, I guess it really helped him because it really helped him assimilate even faster because he had to learn the language, he really had to navigate his way by himself. But yeah. like with me, they kind of held my hand the whole time. So like there are perks, there are like, there are cons to it too. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, would you say that there's, um, what would you say is the hardest part? Or what was the hardest part of high school for you? Like high school in the Philippines? I think... When I turned, oh gosh, I think I might have been a junior in high school. And I think it was at this time where, I don't know if it's too sensitive of a topic to talk about, but uh, I feel like it was really difficult to find friends. And although I did have like a really good friend group, I think all of us were kind of struggling with our feelings and we didn't really know how to process it. We're just a bunch of teenagers. We're just angsty. But at the same time, I couldn't really talk to my parents about it. We couldn't really talk about anything to anyone because I felt like it was me against the world but um, I think in my junior year of high school I started cutting and I know that was a really bad uh, like coping mechanism but I felt like it was the only thing that worked it was the only thing that I knew was like a potential release because I didn't have anyone to talk to I could talk to my friends briefly but I always felt like it was just me against the world and it was me trying to it's like figure out or maneuver through this battleground of emotions that uh, no one else seemed to understand. And I felt like my parents weren't helping. 
My school guidance counselor definitely wasn't helping. So yeah, it was like a release, but at the same time, you know it's unhealthy, so it's just cognitive dissonance, <laughs> I suppose. Yeah, definitely. Uh, is there anything that you would have changed? Like if you could go back in time and relive high school the same, the same way, what would you change? Like, if I could go back, and if I were, I guess, teaching for the institution, I think I want to tackle it that way. All right. I would probably want to, we have like health class and stuff like that. We have like home ec and stuff. But I think it would be really cool to have like some sort of class that'll allow you to talk about emotions. I know like when you're going through puberty, like it's cool, like go through health class, it's essential. But at the same time, it would be really good to just be able to process these things, know who to talk to, who you could reach out to, what's a safe space, is the guidance counselor a safe space? Because I felt like adults were not a safe space. So it's cool if, it would be great if the school just had like these services in place, maybe like um, some sort of counseling, but like reframe it so that a high school student doesn't think it's... For, for yeah, crazy people. Right, yeah. exactly, or intimidating. And that's, uh, that's also something I wanted to ask, because my mom was really into psychology. She mm -hmm. ended up in the... Uh, guidance counseling and Great. a professor in Ateneo mm -hmm. de Manila. She was telling me before that you may be depressed, like when I was small. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, like I knew what depression was, but I didn't understand what it was. Right. You know, like I felt sad, I felt lonely, I felt all these feelings. But one, I didn't want to show it, that was my own fault. And two, it wasn't cool. You know, like right. mental illness wasn't cool. Like being sad wasn't cool. Like even if you listen to emo music. Right, exactly. It's not cool. Like I wasn't like with my slick hair, eyeliners and cutting myself. Like, no, that wasn't me. But I related with emo music because those were, it brought out feelings and words that could express something that you aren't thinking of. Right. Or like... Um put feelings and words into something you yourself couldn't put into feelings or words or just write, write about it, yeah, know about it. Exactly. Yeah. So, would you say that, how would you describe depression in, in the Philippines? Like if someone were to have this depression, how would you say that you know, you're depressed? I think it's very different for each person. Um, I guess I could only really speak for myself, but with me, my mom is a nurse. Um, she was like a psychiatric nurse at the time, and I told her that I wanted to see a guidance counselor, or well, specifically a psychiatrist, because I thought it was a, a serious problem at this point when I opened up to her. And she said, no, being on medication would just dull out your emotions, your affect, you wouldn't be your, yourself, you would be a zombie. And I felt like, okay, then, well, I guess I shouldn't do that then. And I feel like it closed a lot of doors to me and it just add on, added on to like the stigma that was already there. I already knew it was difficult to seek help. I didn't want to seek help because of that. And I knew if other people found out, it would probably make me or like reflect poorly on me and that it wasn't something that I wanted. So I feel like it took me a long time to be able to seek help. But the worst part was, I think, if I sought help earlier on, it definitely wouldn't have been this whole fiasco or like clown yeah. fiesta of me just trying to <laughs> keep it together, right? Keep it together to <laughs> run away from my feelings and stuff like that. But I feel like I pushed it aside for so long because 
my family, my loved ones around me were telling me that it wasn't something I, I, I shouldn't have taken meds. I don't really need to talk to anyone. And I understand it might be like a generational thing to not talk about your feelings. But at the same time, I feel like the problem just became bigger because of me running away from these things and pushing it aside, brushing it, sweeping it under the rug and stuff. So it was difficult. And um, Ateneo definitely helped the university that I went to, yeah. but it was also really difficult to have to explain to your professors after taking a leave saying like, oh, it was like a mental health break or something. Cause I feel like it's frowned upon. Sometimes people use it as an excuse. Yeah. Um, and it was really difficult to just man maneuver through that situation. Cause it's difficult to make people believe you, even though you yourself try to push it aside and you don't want to believe it yourself, but you know it's real. So yeah, just struggling through that. And I think that made it difficult. And uh, my experience with the disorder might not be the same for a lot of Filipinos, but I think a lot of us do feel that stigma. Yeah. And sad to say, I'm, I've lost a bunch of friends to depression, like mm -hmm. grade school, high school, college. So in each level, and for me, I don't think no one really explained to me, like, how to take care of your mental health. Like, maybe right. that would have been a good red flag for me to be like, yeah, let me check myself. Mm -hmm. Maybe this will lead, like, a dark path, you know? And, and it did, like, you end up with thoughts in your head and stuff like that. And it's hard. It's hard when you're... Right now, I'm just free-balling everything. Like, I'm just trying to do good by me. Before, I used to be, like... I don't like the term nice person mm -hmm. because it is very transactional. Right. Like if I had two friends and they wanted the opposite things of me, I'm only going to be a nice guy to one of them. Right. So whoever I can please, I'm a nice guy to. But the other guy is like, no, like that was kind of a dick move, you know? Right. So I kind of, I used to live like that, but now I'm trying to like be, be more mature with it and be more responsible with decisions I make. Like if I'm going to lend money and stuff like that, I'm going to be like, well, are you going to spend it on drugs? Mm -hmm. Are you going right. to spend it on something? Are you right. going to pay me back and stuff like that? So I don't like to see myself as a nice guy. I like to see myself as a fair guy now. Because back I in the day, I'd always keep giving like all these emotions. And I don't blame anyone for it. Like right. in school, people always vent out to you and you're always there for people, right? Mm -hmm. But when you vent out, nobody's there or they're like oh you right. know what my problems more important and you just right. like learn I call that pain olympics yeah and you're just like you know what let me just man up and be there for anyone so right. it's kind of like a mark here it's not really super super healthy i wouldn't advise right. people to keep right. doing that you mentioned that you would take loas right leave of mm -hmm. absences what is that what did you say the hardest part in college those times you were taking leave of absences? Definitely. I feel like it's always difficult to take a leave. I feel like there's always some shame associated with it. You always feel bad about yourself and then assimilating yourself back into the community, the school community after taking this leave is always so difficult. I think I felt it most when I took a leave for a year. Um, I went to rehab after like a suicide attempt trying not to cry but <laughs> anyway so that okay. happened and I feel like it was most difficult then because I think I was so close to the finish line I was so close to finishing college and you know how 
in the Philippines. It's a very traditional Asian country, and uh, going to college is uh, essential. It's, um, <laughs> you need it. And uh, without it, you wouldn't get a job. You wouldn't be able to have a good, a good life or whatever. If you weren't a doctor or a Right, lawyer. exactly. Um, and uh, when I took that leave, I was in rehab for a year. Uh, not a year, sorry, for a month. It felt like a year. But it's a lot like being in jail, I suppose. That's a really bad analogy. <laughs> but... A mental jail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And like everything is very structured. We wake up at 5, we have shower at 5.30, we take our medication at 5.45, something like that. And um, every part of our day is very structured. I think I'm deviating away from the leaves, but I feel like, or you, us talking about leaves of absences, but I feel like this was mo the most difficult. And when I did go to this place, this rehab, I did meet a lot of other Athenians there. And I think it's a little surreal to go to a place where we don't talk about we don't talk about rehab for college kids we don't talk about mental illness and how it really affects a lot of these students and uh, yet they expect us to go back to school because we have to because society tells us we have to we have to get a job because that's what society says and i feel like it really hinders you and it's always like struggling with do i want to take care of myself or do i want to take myself and like my mental health and wellness or do I want to take care of myself in a sense that I have financial security by having a college degree and getting a good job at a multinational anxiety right? like just right? anxiety up the bum yeah also uh, I feel like there are a lot of <laughs> really good guidance counselors Definitely. in Ateneo Definitely. but I feel like the system we have in place isn't ready to handle everyone with a problem. Like if everyone were to come up and be like, I'm feeling stuff. Mm -hmm. There aren't enough equipped guidance counselors to right. deal with that. And I feel like it's more of a cultural thing. Like it's not their fault. Like they're doing the best they can. But as a society, we need to like think about like, why are there so many kids committing suicide in college? Why mm -hmm. are there so many kids committing suicide in high school? Because the Philippines is 50, 60% poverty level, right? Right. Like there's a lot of lower class people there and a lot of people get into scholarships, really right. brilliant right. minds, you know, and then just the stress of everything. And if they can't come out and talk to that, it's just crippling to them. And they just feel like, like there's this one kid in the University of the Philippines. I think he jumped off the building because they took him out of the scholarship program and right. he couldn't pay. And he just ended up like, because in the Philippines, it's especially hard. Like, you need a high school diploma to study right. in McDonald's. Right. And it's just like, you think about people and what they don't have. And how can you make a society that works for everyone, you know? Right, it's a little, yeah, difficult to maneuver through. And I feel like, I'm sorry, I keep climbing up because I feel like this is such a <laughs> dense topic. And it really is. But um, I feel like we don't talk about it enough and especially in the Philippines. And um, I feel like a lot of people think it's a rich people problem. Oh, it's an Ateneo problem because it's a private university. Oh, it's um, another big university's problem because they have money. But at the same time, you see people struggling from lower socioeconomic status and you still see that they still have the same problems. They're still struggling. They're still trying to figure out how they're feeling these things or why they're feeling these things and how to make it better. And um, I don't know, I feel like it's definitely yeah. something we have to address. 
And I feel like a lot of people think that it comes from somewhere. Mm-hmm. Of course, of course, it comes from somewhere, you know. But it doesn't come from the same thing. I know for me, like personal, uh, like my personal happening to me, it happened back in grade school. Like my grandparents went away super early. Like I was super young, mm-hmm. and then I lost my cousin. I lost my grandparents, so I couldn't. <laughs> we dealt with it. You know. Thank you, though. But. I feel like that was the turning point in my life. Like I chose to ignore it. I chose to ignore like, oh, these loved ones of mine are no more. Like I can't feel this. I can't feel sad in school. I can't feel sad at home. Like my home wasn't like, oh, you can't feel sad, blah, blah, blah. It's just the stigma. Right. Like my mom was like super loving. She was a single mother and she did a really good job with us. But this is me, you know, the stigma in school, the stigma in like our whole school at that time was like, you can't, you can't be sad. So when you go through moments like that, that challenge you emotionally and mentally, it's good to like keep yourself backed up, have like a good moral support, have good people behind you. And right. I think, it, you know. sorry for not letting you finish. Um, I no, feel I like it's like walking on eggshells though, when you know your friend or someone close to you has a, I guess they, they're struggling with depression or something similar to it. Because, I'm so sorry, I lost my train of thought. But like, it's definitely like wa- walking on eggshells. It's so difficult because it's such a personal problem, and everyone deals with it differently. Yeah. So I feel like for some people, like in your story, for example, you said you felt closed off, and even though your mom was very nurturing, but people around you were saying like, "Oh, you shouldn't be sad. It's not a problem right now." But it's so difficult to maneuver through that. Some people react well to people saying, "No, don't feel that way." Mm. But some people react poorly towards it, so I feel like it's so difficult to just trying to find the right support group because we all feel different towards different things. And it's kind of like how when you're looking for a psychiatrist, it's kind of like looking for um, a partner, a boyfriend or a girlfriend because you just want to be on the same wavelength and to not feel like they're attacking you yeah. and you really want to feel like they understand, but it's so difficult to find that. So I feel like that's also a problem we encounter because it's so personal, but it's so difficult to find someone that feels like they empathize with yeah. you instead of sympathizing or like pitying you. It's a, it's a hard tightrope to, like you don't want to burden someone, you know? Right. You don't want to burden someone with the feelings that you're dropping on them. Like, and. People have dropped their feelings on me too, and I've I've been there. And but it's it's heavy, you know. It take it even takes a toll on you. Mm-hmm. You talk to them a lot, and you're just like, this is heavy. So like, but for me, the best thing I can do as a friend is be there. Like, tell them I can't offer you professional support. Mm-hmm. And by no means live by the words I say, you know. Like I'm right. barely getting by like emotionally. So just be there for someone and then if they talk about seeking professional help kind of guide them i feel like that's the best right, you can do right. like kind of like oh you're sad bro let's let's kick back let's watch netflix exactly let's play smash bros whatever i feel like it's just like sometimes misery loves company it's just nice to be there with someone you don't really have to exactly. like talk about your feelings but it's nice to just know someone is there yeah, yeah. just the smallest things you know the smallest right. interactions are like oh you know what Life ain't that bad. So. Right. It's, it's different for everyone though. Like not everyone's going to feel that way. I don't mm-hmm. know. But just... And by, by design, I think we're very tribal creatures. Like right. We love, we love being in each other's company. Right. It's funny that we talked about people being tribal. 
Let's <laughs> set up this exact same. <laughs> okay, now, we talked about people being tribal. I want your opinion on technology and would you say it's actually making a lot of people more anxious than they should be? Hmm. Like the, we lived in a generation where we didn't have nice phones and we couldn't use right? it in school, you know? Right. We didn't have the smartphone. So it's, it's, it's funny we're in this situation where we see the world before fast internet. Mm-hmm. Like we had dial up when somebody right. called your phone, you'd Couldn't be like <laughs> disconnected in your world of Warcraft, like right. rate is no more. So that was irritating. But do you think that Twitter, the access to all these social media, Twitter, Instagram, mm-hmm. is increasing people's anxiety? Especially for like high school students, because now you think about it, likes mean something. Right, it's like a currency or something. It's a currency. Yeah. Like you get out of high school, guess what? People are going to pay you for just having likes, for posting this thing. And kind of puts us in a position where we're, we see these other people, other kids, mm-hmm. and we're like, oh, why, why am I not? Well, other kids are thinking like, why am I not doing, am I, why am I not getting as many likes? Right. Why am I not getting as many comments? Why am I not getting as many retweets? Mm-hmm. So do you think that's a problem? Like with kids thinking about that at an early age? I think, I think equating your self-worth to the amount of likes that you get or the amount of favorites you get on Twitter or shares on Facebook is definitely a problem in and of itself. I feel like it's a matter of self-worth though, not exactly technology, but it's also one of those things where you kind of have to build someone up in order for them to feel their self-worth. You know, I, I, I don't even know because I feel like technology is there. I guess it's a really good escape sometimes. But it's difficult when you make those likes or those retweets or those shares. You live yeah, by that. Right. Yeah. And like it means something more than it should be. I think that's where the problem lies. And I think a way to address it is just... See, like, I think the problem is, like, I keep saying, like, oh, it'll be good to build these build these kids up by (laughs) (laughs) build these kids up by teaching them about self-worth but at the same time where do we start with that i I don't even know um so that's a problem but i know the technology isn't a problem in and of itself but i think it's equating it to something more than it really should be and that's definitely a problem but like how do we tell people or show people that there's more to life outside of these likes. These are very curated posts. <laughs> but how do you show? Well, Instagram stuff turned off their right? likes, right? Which so, is a good step, yeah. but at the same time, it's kind of like why people already we, know. People right. already know the algorithm. Like, oh, I need, I need this much interaction and stuff. Right. I feel like, and that's like when people talk to me about like politics. I'm not sure you're into politics and stuff. And I feel like. A lot of the problems, like you see all these shootings in America, like we've had more shootings than we have days in this year. Right. And that's crazy, you know. And a lot of it is like, it's not, it's not because of the de- Democratic side, it's not because of the Republican side. Like maybe there's something happening to our kids, you know, that we're not looking at. And we keep saying like, prayers, blessings. I'm like, when, when has these prayers like stopped the next shooting, you know? And like, yeah. enough's enough. And just look at, what's making these kids anxious what's making i heard in china that they're actually reducing the playing time for students because i feel like no uh i read some something up that in china you link your 
citizen number mm-hmm. to your gaming like oh okay right software right. thing so they can literally like see how much you're playing and stuff so now if you're beneath 16 i think you can only play like an hour a day or something mm-hmm. so this reduction from technology like mm-hmm. video games and i feel like we can we can it's weird because it would like, be too much yeah it's hard it's a hard it's a hard uh, problem to fix i think yeah it's definitely one of those things where you feel like oh yeah i got the solution but at the same time, will reducing the amount of time you play World of Warcraft really matter at the end of the day? I don't really know. I don't think that is a long-term solution. If anything, that's a Band-Aid solution. Yeah. But that's a personal opinion. And like you said earlier about school shootings, I feel like it's definitely a mental health problem at the end of the day. And um, definitely something that's a little tricky to maneuver through because it's there is no simple answer. There is no simple solution mm. to fix it or to remedy it. And the simplest uh, answer, yeah. actually for me, the simplest answer is live in someone's shoe, you know? Like mm-hmm. if someone's getting, if you're picking on someone, like just for one second, think about like, oh, how would it feel if I was being picked on, you know? I feel like that's kind of like empathy though. And I feel like it's, um, I mean, it's a trait that you're taught or like you develop. But a lot of people... Yeah, exactly. Like we were talking about how people like, kind of want to disassociate with some certain mm-hmm. people. I feel like we just need to like, you don't need to commit 100% to understanding mm-hmm. this person. Just understand like, oh, this person's having a rough time. Mm-hmm. Maybe at home, maybe his parents are fighting all the time. Right. Maybe I shouldn't pick on him. So right. that relieves pressure from the guy mm-hmm. who's dealing with a lot of problems. But it's hard. Like not everyone, like even my friends, I'm like, be more empathetic. Right. They're not going to do it. So it's, it's difficult. It's like one of those things where you kind of train the muscle, but at the same time, do you know you're training it correctly? Because uh, these are such difficult issues. Yeah. And I feel like there's, it, there's so many ways to approach it. And like you said, like empathizing with people definitely helps. But at the same time, how do you continue to develop this skill if people around you don't empathize? So I guess it also raises that question where it's like, where do we or how do we teach individuals about empathy yeah true and one thing about that too is we're going to move from the philippines now mm-hmm. to america so i went i came here in 2012 found work in like two months wow that's really good yeah i just got hooked into it like jumped mm-hmm. straight into the working life and then i was balancing like my girlfriend mm-hmm. from the philippines at that time i was balancing work i was balancing family and like the time, like it was a really high demand job. Like I was working like maybe 12, 13 hours a day That's and then six killing, to seven days yeah. a week. So literally I was just working. Like I got to America, I was just working, working, working. And then given you need time with a relationship, I'm not saying like, oh, you have a relationship, don't give it time. Like I'm saying you need to find a balance. But for me, there was no balance at that time. It could mm-hmm. be like everything was changing and I, I had no support circle, you know? Right. Not for the lack of people not being around. It was just, I didn't, I'm not a sharing person. Mm-hmm. I've never been like, oh, share my feelings or whatever. So you're just, you feel like, again, you against the world. Right. So you're just like pushing, you're pushing every day. And for better or for worse, like I changed. Mm-hmm. I became more demanding with stuff in relating to business. Cause to me before I was, super not the business type, mm-hmm. super not whatever, like super just relaxed, super chill person. Right. And moving here changed me a lot. Would you say that 
when you moved here recently, like in December, would you say that you changed a lot too from being what you were in the Philippines? I think the situation I was put in, I think about this a lot actually, <laughs> the situation I was put in is um, pretty interesting. Um, I feel like before I moved, I was two, maybe a year and a half out of rehab. I was still really struggling with it. I was still really struggling with my mental health. And the reason why I moved here in the first place was because I talked to my psychiatrist about it and then I kept saying like, I need a new start, I need to find something, which could just be like, I guess, me having a manic episode, but her feeding into it by saying something like, um, yeah, you should go for it. Maybe moving to the US would be a good idea. I feel like it was a really, like a way to start fresh. And I feel like I tackled things a little differently when I moved here. It's definitely difficult with like different cultures, but at the same time, I felt like I was starting fresh. I used to binge drink a lot when I was in Manila, <laughs> mostly because I thought it was fun. It was fun yeah. to be around people. It was fun to be drunk around people. It was also a way to cope with... Right, the feelings. Yeah, like, exactly. It just like really suppresses it. And like both of us, we're not exactly the... We're not people people. Um, I don't like socializing either. So it's definitely like it really helped. But I yeah. think by moving here, it was kind of just like me against the world for a, a bit again. And I really had to figure things out on my own. I didn't really have my loved ones around me trying to hold my hand through the whole thing. So I feel like I really got to look into myself, look into my life and see how I needed to change things. I knew that alcohol was a depressant and it made me feel terrible. And I always had like these bouts of sadness that would always like, pushed me to the edge, which was really bad. And um, I stopped doing that when I got here. And uh, I can't take all the credit, but I definitely surrounded myself with another good group of people here. And it had really helped me, so. You got a really nice boyfriend named right, Joey. Right, definitely. Props to Joey. <laughs> and uh, I feel like it's just really healthy. I mean, not saying that my previous relationships weren't healthy, but I feel like this really worked for me and it it took me so long to say no to drinking and to smoking a lot. Not that that's bad, but it really, it was just like um, a plethora of vices and it wasn't helping me address these problems. And I kept, kept wanting to dull like my senses so that even exactly. though I was on, right, on medication, I feel like it wasn't helping. And it's so good to finally sit still and just feel everything and everything might feel overwhelming, but at the same time, how am I supposed to fix the problem if I don't even know what it's supposed to feel like? Exactly, right? yeah. Uh, before, I drank a lot. Like, mm -hmm. I would drink a lot. This was before, like, I had a breakup back then. And when people see me drinking, it's like, for me, I'm a happy drunk. Mm -hmm. Like, it just numbs me just enough. So I forget about what's bothering me, you know? But if I stay at home, like, I'm just like, um, I'm twitchy. And then mm -hmm. people say like, oh, you're ADD. But it's like, I don't want to think about something. So it's me blocking things out. And for me, alcohol became such, such a good block right. for emotions. Right. And I didn't realize it at the time. I was just like, oh, I like beer. Like, I like drinking. Right, like it tastes good guy. or yeah. something like and that. And drinking in our culture <laughs> is like... It's like an integral part of the, it's, the it's culture. Essential. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely. Quint essential part of <laughs> growing is. up. So, and then when I, 
when I broke up with a girlfriend, that's when it became really bad. Like uh-huh. I was drinking every day. But on Sunday, I would drink like 1 to 6. Like 1 p.m. to 6 p.m. Quite an adventure. Yeah, I was like, you know, this is my diet day. I'm just gonna like, <laughs> not drink a lot. As it was, it was bad. Like I, when I got here, it's thank God I got here. You know, because if maybe I was there, I wouldn't be able to deal with what was bothering me a lot. And like yeah. my veins were so black because of all the alcohol. And then I was like, it wasn't a. I didn't like. Oh, I'm gonna go to LA and fucking detox. Like no, it wasn't right. like that. Right. Was exactly. Like, I was in LA, and. I had no one to drink with, so <laughs> I was Same just like, problem. I was in my head, I was just <laughs> like, oh shit. And then you, you just found work, and then work became my alcohol, because you're just uh-huh. too preoccupied with work. And then moving to a different country is, I don't say this a lot, but it's, it's a lot, like, it your is. whole world changes, you know? And, and it's a, like a whole readjustment period, you thought you were done with that in the Philippines, not wait until you move back to America, yeah, it's different. So people are saying, oh, you adjusted really well. I'm like, I, I just work. Like, I go out at night. I drink with my coworkers. Mm-hmm. Like, what's, what's, what's changed, you know? But right. after that, that's when I realized, like, oh, like, I'm in a, like, it's, LA has wonderful mountains, you know? It does. It took me five years, six years to realize that. Like, when I, when I quit my job and I stopped being stressed, I was like, you know what? This is a nice place. Mm-hmm. Right. So it was I, just fairly recently that I just discovered like this this different side to America, I guess. Definitely. And I feel like it's a kind of stuff, I hope this doesn't sound like new wave, new age or whatever, no but, I, right? but I feel like it's, it's so good to be still and um, after transitioning from going out a lot and drinking a lot and living a very fast-paced life and although our careers are very important right now and they are kind of like our new alcohol but at the same time it allows us to be in the moment and I feel like that really just helps with the whole coping process trying to understand your feelings more because um definitely numbing them with alcohol isn't the exact best way to solve your problems it's a band-aid it is Definitely. Yeah, with you saying it's nice to stay put and do yourself like that, I do that a lot. Like when people ask me out, I'm like, I give them a number. (laughs) It's a percentage. I'm like uh, sixty, and they're like sixty. What? Sixty percent? I'll make it. And they're like, what? Just make it. I'm like, at least I'm being honest. I'm not saying I'm gonna go, and then I'm not. And then it's important to have like time for yourself because a lot of the time I feel like the the want to go out is not for me entirely. Right. Like, it's because people want you to be there. And being a mm. people pleaser, it's kind of me like, you know what, I'm going to please these people by going. But right. then you're just like, like you're even your in your head. And, and you're, you're, just like, you're like, you know what? <laughs> and it's funny, we were talking about that. When you got here, you were telling me about your anxiety. Like, you mm-hmm. didn't want to go out. And I understood, you know. But I didn't understand, understand. Right. And then you actually got me to thinking about what I wanted to do. Like... Mm. Is going out something, do I really want to go to a club and like get shit-faced at like 1 a.m.? Right. Like, I'll just watch TV, I'll just do my own thing, you know? Right. So in a way, you kind of like opened my eyes in that way. And that was like, you didn't mean to do that. No, so... I'm so glad. (laughs) So imagine people just reaching out. 
I think it's also, saying, yeah, go ahead. And saying, it's going to be okay. Like I tell people, like, it's going to be okay. This is a phase. Definitely. And I feel like us, it's easy for us to talk to people like that because we know what it's like. But other people, when people like say, when people try to get an answer out of me and I'm just like, you won't understand. And even me, you know, like knowing what I know about myself, I'm still difficult to work with when it comes to my feelings. Like I try to be better. Like I'd say I'm like so much better than I was before, but there's still so much work to do, you know? Definitely. So just back to that thing where how can you help someone right. with that problem? It's it's always... I've been thinking about it. Yeah, I don't right? really know an easy answer. There really is no easy answer to it. And it's just so personal. Everyone is so different. It's really just... Like you said, though, empathy will go a long way. And it'll help you be able to understand like the individual differences of a person. So if anything, the best we can do is show a little more empathy. To everyone. Like, right. Even, like, for example, like Chester Bennington. <laughs> The songs made sense, you know, at the end you're like, oh, all these dark songs right. actually came from a place and maybe nobody asked him. I don't know what happened there, but would his life be different if someone was like, hey, Chester, are you okay? You know, just that words. Would you say that you're way better now like, than you were? I think, hmm. I'm thankful for the experiences that I had while I was in the Philippines. I hope this doesn't sound like a beauty pageant answer, but it was it's kind of like, right? <laughs> it's one of those things where I'm glad I experienced it. I know how low the lows can get and I know how high the highs can get. But at the same time, it's also really good to just be able to sit still. I keep saying this, but it's such an um, important part of my, my life now, just being able to sit still, being able to be sober, I think. I am doing a lot better, but that doesn't mean I'm not grateful for what I went through because I feel like it definitely shaped me or like molded me as a person. And I think that's still part of who I am and it'll forever be a part of who I am. And I'm thankful, I guess. I, I wouldn't really know the right word, but it, it happened. I acknowledge that it happened and I just want to continue to move forward. For me, it's a, diff it's a, little, bit, it's a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Like for me, I feel like getting better. I like I don't see me at fifty year old, fifty years old, not being depressed. Like not having mm -hmm. episodes of depression. For me, it's just like this is life. There's happy. There's bad. There's sad, and right. it's just a ball, and you just deal with it. And it's important to know that to remember how happy you were on other days mm -hmm. and how sad you were the other days, and take it as a rainbow. Like this is life. It's true. So for me, it's it's a journey. It's not a destination. Like Definitely. getting better. Definitely. All right. With that, with that heavy stuff being said, you have your camera. Is there any words of advice you'd want to give someone? Maybe you have this friend you're thinking of, or a group of people. You don't need to say the name, but any advice, like advice to help them feel better or anything. You have the camera. I want to say something like it gets better, but sometimes it doesn't. But it's also important to just live in the moment. It's um, experience the waves of emotions. Um, don't always need alcohol for it. You don't always need to find coping mechanisms for it, but to be able to feel it 
might make a really big difference. Just sit there and feel it. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. So I want to thank you guys for listening or watching. I don't know what you're doing right now, but if you're somebody or you know somebody who's going through something, just try to be more aware that stuff like this we spoke about happens everywhere from Russia, from China, China, from America, Philippines, everywhere. Like we're all people, we all deal with stuff. Maybe some don't, but it's important to know that some people do and maybe one day we'll learn how to treat everyone better, you know? So, thank you for watching.